morning. Thank you, Sharon. Good morning and welcome to First Church on this beautiful Sunday morning. I'd like to extend a welcome to those that are in the sanctuary today and those that are listening on Facebook Live and those that are listening on T102 as well. So welcome. Just a few announcements before we get started here. We extend our love and sympathy to the family of David Felwish, who entered into Christ's care on Sunday, September 11th. Visitors may greet the family this afternoon in the Heritage Room from noon to 2. The funeral service will begin at 2 p.m., and Christian burial will follow at Rue Cemetery. Congratulations to Alexis Lammers and Dylan Schaefer, who were united in Christian marriage yesterday. Alexa is the daughter of Brian and Maria Lammers, and Dylan is the son of Chris and Kelly Schaefer. There's a new adult Sunday school class starting this morning. The class will be doing Francis Chain's new study, Jesus, the Farewell Message. This group meets from 10.15 to 11.15 a.m. in the Ministry Center. Also, consistory meets tomorrow evening at 7.30 So elders, deacons, and trustees, your packets are up here on the front row. If you want to grab them before you leave today, that'd be great. Also, the junior and senior high students will be going to the Fields of Faith at Walpock Football Stadium on Wednesday night. This event is for all 7th and 12th graders. Cars will leave from the church parking lot at 5.30. And don't forget, praise and prayer night is tonight at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. sanctuary. We invite you to come join in worshiping Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now the call of worship today is taken from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord is is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is throne as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people as peace. Now let us sing only a holy God. Let us rise and worship the Lord.
Take the time to greet your neighbor as the children come forward for children's chat. Passing out a pictures so you can share them to the people around you so you can all see them. What does this look like? I didn't get one. Oh, I know. I don't have one for everybody. Oh, there you go. Did have an extra one. What is it? It's a foot. What's the got the foot have on it? What kind of a shoe? Oh, there's something funny on underneath it. What is it? Spikes. Okay, who do you think would wear something like this? God. Well, he doesn't need them. Goliath. Goliath? He probably did. Very good answer. This is what a Roman soldier would have worn. And what do you think those spikes do? It grips the ground. Now, why would he want to grip the ground? Huh? So nobody can push him around so he could stand there as a Roman soldier and he's going to fight his enemy. And regardless of how he gets pushed, is he going to move? No. Not very easily, is he? No. Now, who's our enemy? God. No, not God. The devil's our enemy. So God tells Paul to write about 
the armor of God. And you've heard that from Pastor Tori before. There's a shield, there's a breastplate, and there's a belt. Well, you can't go to war against your enemy unless you wear shoes. And so the Bible talks about those shoes that God has. That's a very important part of our armor when we fight against the enemy. Because if those soldiers don't have those shoes on with those spikes or hobs they call on there, he will slip and slide. And that would not be a good thing. They would not be able to stand firm. So God tells us how we can stand firm in our battle against the enemies and what the world throws at us. Sometimes the world's not very nice, is it? Sometimes the playground's not a fun place to be because somebody's being mean. But God gives you tools and his peace to handle that. The Bible talks about standing firm against the troubles of the world. Now think as God's peace being those spikes on those shoes that keeps us firmly in place. Firmly in what God wants us to do and think. Now, this peace only comes one way. It only comes by knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, when we believe in Jesus, God's perfect peace will come to us in our hearts and in our minds and guides us no matter what life brings us. And what they talk about is the gospel of peace, which is the good news of peace. And those same shoes helps us spread the news, the good news about what peace God can give us. Family. So it's really, really special. Special shoes. Very special part of the, un- of the uniform. And our shoes need protection. So is God going to protect us? Yes, he is. He sure is. We need to put on the armor of God and wear the shoes of peace. Then we don't have to worry or be afraid. Because God is in control of the whole world. Awesome. Now, when you put your shoes on in the morning, I want you to do one thing. When you put them on, you say, God's got this. Can you say that? God's got this. And he does, doesn't he? You put those shoes on. You think about the shoes of the peace that God gives you when you believe in Jesus Put your shoes on and say, God's got this. Just like the people do out in the, on the basketball floor. When they put their hands up like this and they make a big shout in the morning, you go, God's got this. All right? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that without you, life will push us around and we will slip and slide. Thank you for offering your peace to us. We can know that no matter what storms or trouble life may bring, you will be with us. We won't be alone. Please help us to remember this and put on our shoes of peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what are we going to say? God's got this. Let's say that. God's got this. Awesome. Thank you. You can keep it. Awesome. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. Thanks, Carolyn, for that wonderful children's chat. Before we collect our offering this morning, I want to invite Allie forward to talk a little bit more about Awana. Hi, everybody. 
I am excited to announce that we are officially going to be starting our Awana program on Wednesday, October 5th from 6 to 7.30. First, I want to thank all the volunteers that have already contacted me or that I've contacted and you've said yes. Um, we couldn't do it without all of our volunteers and all of your prayers. So thank you very much. I'm also still looking for a few volunteers to help out with some of the classes as well as some student volunteers. So um, anyone who's in the youth group, 7th through 12th grade, if they want to help out before youth group starts, um, we would appreciate that. Um, in your bulletin, you'll see a registration form for kin or preschool through 6th grade students. You can fill out that registration form and get it to me or the church office. There's also a digital form that you can fill out and um, get it to us. So I hope to see lots of little kids here on Wednesday, October 5th. And um, if you need any more information, you can contact me. Thanks. Thanks, Allie. Also, just one more announcement. Next Sunday, September 25th, we're excited to have Wayne Lunsford here with us to share a little bit about what he's been up to. So I hope that you are all able to be here next week and greet him. Um, and our offering this morning does support the general fund. So I, this time I will invite the deacons forward to collect our offering as Kay plays a song on the organ. Thanks, Kay.
invite you to remain standing as we sing our next song, I Speak Jesus. As we sing the song together, I I do encourage you to really think about the lyrics as we sing them because they're going to lead us into a time of prayer afterwards. The song is all about, you know, speaking and proclaiming the name of Jesus over our, our circumstances, over our situations, and there certainly is power in the name of Jesus. So let's sing this song together. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope to speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life
you to pray with me now. Father God, we come before you and we do lift up our voices together as one to sing your praises. We lift your name up on high because you, Lord, deserve all honor and glory and praise. And so we gather here in this place and and we are also gathered, Lord, through those that are listening on the radio and watching online. But we gather as one body to lift up our praises to you and declare your goodness and your faithfulness and the hope that you provide through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, we come before you knowing, Lord, that that what you are able to do in our lives and what you have done for us through Jesus is not dependent on us. It's not dependent on the, the size of our faith. It's not dependent upon the good things that we do. Lord, because if that were the case, then then we would have no hope. But Lord, your faithfulness, your love, your holiness and righteousness and justice, it is greater than us. And and you are good and you are faithful and you are right and you are true in all circumstances, at all times and in all things. Lord, your love for us is not contingent on our good behavior. It is not dependent upon our perspective on things. But Lord, your love for us is, is based on your goodness and your love. It is, it is unconditional. And for that, we are grateful. We are accepted into your family as sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because of his death and his resurrection. Because he is now seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven and ever interceding for us. Because you have given us your Holy Spirit to know you and to love you and to serve you. And so we thank you, Lord God, for all that you have done for us. And so we put our faith in you because of what you've done for us. We put our hope in you because of your goodness and your faithfulness. And we trust that you are able to do and act according to your will in your timing. And so we do pray the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, for each and every person in this sanctuary and listening and online and on the radio. For those that are in need, Lord, we ask that you would provide. For those that are in need of healing, we ask that you would bring about healing in their body, Lord. For those that need wisdom, we, that, that are seeking you for big decisions that need to be made, we ask that you would provide that discernment and that wisdom that is needed. And Lord, we ask that in all things and in all situations, you would be glorified and that you would work according to your good and perfect and pleasing will. Lord, as the, the father in, in Mark 9, as he, as, as, as you're about to heal his son, he, cried, he, he you told him that that he must believe, that he must have faith. And his prayer, his response was, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Lord, there are 
people here today that trust you, that want you to work in their lives. And, and sometimes it's, it's difficult to know and understand why things happen or why things work out the way they do. And so together, Lord, we come before you like that father and say, we believe, help us in our unbelief. Help us to trust you no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we face. Help us to trust you in all things. It allows us to do. And so we, we thank you for our local and, and county governments at this time. We thank you for the, those that serve in those positions um, and pray for your wisdom and guidance in their lives, that they would have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness and that they'd be satisfied. And we thank you, Lord, for this church and this place and the work that you do in and through us. And I think especially for our uh, praise team and those that are leading in our praise and prayer night tonight, we thank you for their willingness to serve and using the gifts that you've given them as they lead us in worship. We thank you for their, for their gifts and their talents. And we pray that in all things you would be glorified and honored. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. The scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your love for us, Lord, that you've poured out for us through your Son. Father God, I pray that in these next moments as we talk about the gospel shoes of peace, Lord, that you would just tune our hearts and our minds into what you have for us, Lord. Open our hearts, open our minds so that we may hear from you in your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would give me words to speak, Lord, and that uh, you would be glorified in these next moments together. Amen. 
So we've been slowly working our way through the armor of God in Ephesians 6 over the last couple months. And so this morning we're talking about the gospel shoes of peace. But before we get to that, I wanted to remind us of the why behind this sermon series. So back in January, God laid this series on my heart for our church because he wanted his people to be aware and prepared to engage in spiritual warfare. So remember, God and Satan are constantly at war over us in the spiritual realm. And Satan is doing everything in his power to separate us from God and to thwart the plans of God, and God is fighting for us. And now this battle has been going on since the beginning of time, and it will continue to go on until Christ returns and defeats Satan once and for all. And we can't see this battle that's happening, but we can feel its effects. Everything that occurs in the visible, physical world The things that we can see and experience with our five senses is directly connected to the battle being fought in the spiritual realm. But sadly, we are unprepared to engage in this battle because a lot of Christ followers are completely ignorant to the warfare in the first place. Many don't want to admit or even believe that it's going on because something like that is just a little too weird. But if you are a born-again believer, you are in the battle whether you like it or not. And so as Christ followers, our job is to fight in that battle and to enforce the victory that Christ has already won for us through his death and his resurrection. And God hasn't left us unprepared to engage. He has given us the tools that we need for the battle. We've been given heavenly weapons that are specifically designed to protect us as we go to war. And we've been given God's own armor to put on and to stand firm in him as we fight. And so God has given us six pieces of armor either to put on or to take up. So the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the gospel shoes of peace are the three pieces that Paul tells us to put on and to wear all the time. And so today we're talking about that final piece of the armor that we're to put on and wear all the time. And so in Paul's day, the Roman army was one of the most well-equipped and advanced armies of that time. The two things that really set them apart from the rest were uh, their battle tactics and their armor. Every piece of their armor was specifically designed with protection in mind, including the sandals. So Roman soldiers wore heavy military sandals called caliga. And these sandals were half boot, half sandal. And the top of them was designed kind of like your typical sandal. Not not, not like a flip-flop, but like a sandal that wraps around your feet. And it had cuts in the leather to allow for proper ventilation. It had straps so the, the soldiers could tighten it around their foot as needed. But the soles of the sandal were made from thick layers of leather. And they were held together with what they called hobnails. And these hobnails, they went through the leather, leather and then protruded out of the bottom of the shoe. And so that provided them with extra stability and mobility when they were in combat because those hobnails dug deep into the earth. So a modern equivalent for what this might look like would be like a soccer or a football cleat. You know, that, that, those spikes at the bottom of those shoes to help the players run and play to the, to, to the best of their ability. And so Paul, while he was in prison saw these sandals up close, and as he was thinking of each piece of the armor and its purpose, he connected the gospel with sandals. Paul saw the stability and the protection and the mobility that these shoes gave us and realized that the gospel does the same thing for us as Christ followers. 
But in order to fully understand this piece of armor, we first have to understand what Paul means by the gospel of peace. So think back to the very beginning of creation. After God created the heavens and the earth, he created a garden for his people to live in with him forever. And that was his intention, that we were to be in that garden with him at all times. And in the garden, Adam and Eve lived at peace with the land. They were at peace with each other. But most importantly, they lived in perfect peace with God. Nothing separated them from him. God was physically present with Adam and Eve. They even walked together in the cool of the day in the garden. And God provided for everything they needed. And life in the garden was stable. But Satan hated that. Satan hated the garden. He hated that God and his people were together and lived together in perfect peace. He hated that there was stability, that there was no separation or division between God and his people. Because remember, Satan's main goal is to malign and misconstrue the character of God and his purposes. So Satan planted seeds of doubt about God and his purposes in Eve's mind. He introduced just a little bit of temptation, and they took the bait. Adam and Eve, through their disobedience, lost their peace with God. A gaping chasm between God and man. And because of the fall, sin and separation and physical and spiritual death now plague all of creation, including us. And so Paul goes into more detail about how our sinfulness affects and separates us from God in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So if you know Ephesians 2, you know what's coming next. But I think that it's important for us to uh, spend some time here and not gloss over what we just read. And it would be really easy to do that and just read right to the part where God saves us, right? But we've really got to stop and think about what Paul is saying because these words apply to every single one of us. He says that apart from Christ, you are spiritually dead. You are separated from God. And later on in chapter 2, Paul says that without Christ, you are excluded from the family of God. You are without hope and without God. And not only are we separated from God, but there's nothing that we can do to bridge that gap between us and him. We can't work our way back into relationship with him. We can't earn our way back into that relationship. There's nothing that can bring us back to him on our own. And because of our sinfulness, we all deserve God's wrath and punishment and eternal separation from him. But God stepped in. And Paul goes on to say, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You know, my favorite words in that scripture are, but God. We were sinners and we deserved wrath and the punishment of God and eternal separation from him, but God stepped in. But God, in his love and mercy, sent his son to die the death that we deserve to die on the cross. Because God wanted to bring his people, you and I, back into relationship with him. So he gave his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. And his death 
removed the barrier that our sinfulness created between us and God. And now because of Jesus, we have peace with God through faith in him. In Jesus, we have hope. We have stability. And like Hebrews 6.19 says, the hope that we have in Christ is an anchor for our souls. It's firm. It's secure. You know, our relationship with Christ stabilizes us in a way that the things of this world cannot. If you are searching for peace and stability in anything other than Christ, you're going to be searching for a long time. Because you, you cannot find the peace of God in the things of this world. You'll never find true peace in your job. You won't find it in your relationships because people hurt us and they fail us. You won't find it in your kids. You won't find it in a bottle or behind a screen. True and lasting peace can only come through relationship with Christ. And it's because of Christ's sacrifice that true peace with God is possible. And so that's why Paul connected the gospel shoes with the the shoes with the gospel because the gospel anchors us. Like those hobnails on a soldier's shoe anchored them to a ground. That's what the gospel does for us. The good news of the gospel, Christ's death, his resurrection, and the hope that we have in him, it digs deep into our souls and provides strength and stability that we need to stand firm in Christ. It anchors us when the world around us is spinning out of control. And we can find lasting peace every single day in Christ. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, man, I want some of that hope. I want some of that peace because my life feels like it is spinning out of control. Can I just encourage you this morning to consider giving your life to Jesus Christ? We're going to pause for just a moment and we're going to pray. Because I believe that there are people sitting in this room that might be searching for that peace and that stability that only can be found in Jesus. So, and I don't want to wait until the end of service to invite you to pray this prayer if that's you this morning. So if you're ready to invite Jesus Christ into your life and turn your entire life over to him, I encourage you to pray with me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I repent of them, and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life. Lord, I want to trust and follow you and make you Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. You know, if you just prayed that prayer, please tell somebody. We would love to celebrate that with you. That's a big decision. Please don't leave this place without telling someone this morning. You know, when we place our faith in Christ and in his death and in his resurrection, we're finally able to experience the intimacy that our hearts were created for. Peace with God establishes our relationship with him. And it's in relationship with him that we're given his peace. And that offers the stability that we need to walk through this life. And then it's his peace that also becomes our protection as we fight against the enemy. So, you know, Roman soldiers spent a lot of time on their feet. They had to walk miles a day. Their battle lasted for days on end, and sometimes they were fighting for, for hours at a time. And so they were on their feet that so much that most soldiers went through at least three pairs of shoes a year. And so these shoes had to protect their feet at all times. They had proper ventilation to protect against blisters. They had straps to tighten to allow for a more secure fit. And the soles were made with three different types of leather to protect the ankle and the foot. And they needed all of this protection because Roman soldiers knew that if their feet were injured, that that was, that was bad news. And one foot injury in the battle could mean the difference between life or death. And so like the layers of protection the sandals gave to the soldiers, 
the peace of God gives us the protection we need to walk through life. God gives us that peace when we're in relationship with him. And when his peace is locked into our life, it acts as a guard and as a protection for us. God's peace is what keeps us moving forward when we can't see what's up ahead and when the storms of life are just raging around us. It's his peace that allows us to confidently follow him in the direction that he's taking us no matter what. You know, last week was the 21st anniversary of 9-11, and I was eight years old when 9-11 happened, so I really couldn't completely understand what was going on, but I knew that it wasn't good. And so as I got older, I wanted to know more about it, and I started to read about the attacks and the people on the planes and the heroes of that day. And so last Sunday, I was scrolling through social media, and I came across a transcript from a 911 call that a guy by the name of Todd Beamer made from United Flight 93. And Todd Beamer called 911 from the plane to tell them that their plane had been hijacked. And the dispatcher let them know what was going on with the World Trade Center at the time. And during that conversation, they were able to patch an FBI agent into that phone call. And the FBI agent told them, we think that your plane is heading either towards the Capitol building or towards the White House. And it was in that moment that the line went quiet and Todd, along with the other people on the plane, came up with a plan. And that before, but before they stopped, stepped into action, Todd asked the 911 dispatcher to pray with him. And together they play, prayed the Lord's Prayer. And after they prayed the Lord's Prayer, they went through Psalm 23. And here's the end of their conversation. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And after they prayed, Todd said, God help me, Jesus help me. And then he said to the guys, are you ready? Today, I went and I looked up some information about Todd Beamer. He was a Christ follower. He loved Jesus. He taught the high school Sunday school class at his church for seven years before he died. And in an interview, Todd's dad said that he believes that it was his faith that allowed him to make the hardest decision of his life that day. You know, I believe that in that moment on the plane, Todd experienced the peace of God. And that peace propelled him forward into action, knowing that no matter what the outcome was, that God would be with him at all times. You know, God's peace does that for us. God's peace gives us the confidence that we need to move forward in whatever direction he's taking us, even when we can't see what's coming up ahead. You know, before Jesus went to the cross, he took time to prepare his disciples. He told them that he was about to face his death and that things were going to get scary. They were going to be scattered. It was going to be dark. And they were going to be in a battle. And then he says at the end of John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I love this passage because Jesus is blunt and encouraging at the same time. He tells the disciples that you are straight up going to have hardships. Like there's going to be trouble in your life, and life is going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be a battle. But then Jesus follows that up with some encouragement by telling the disciples two things. He says that in him they will have peace. He didn't say that he would fix their problems or remove their battles. He just told them that no matter what, that in him they would have peace for whatever situation they were facing. And then he reminded them that he is victorious and that they are in relationship with the overcomer. 
And as born-again believers, we walk in relationship with the, the Prince of Peace that has overcome this broken world. Jesus never promises us an easy life. He never promises that every, that every day is going to be great. But what he does promise is that he's going to walk with us through every single day, and even on the hardest days of our life. See, Jesus knows when you get the call from the doctor with the news that you just weren't expecting. He knows when you walk into work and your boss hands you a pink slip and says, pack up your desk. He knows he's walking with you through grief as you mourn the loss of a loved one. He is right there with you. And not only does he walk with you through all of that, but he gives you his peace. He gives you the peace that you need to keep trusting and following him even when you can't see the next steps. You know, of all the things that Satan loves to attack, our peace is always at the top of his list. He is the prince of darkness. He loves to sow chaos and confusion into our hearts and lives. And he wants us uneasy and unbalanced and unstable and filled with anxiety and worry. And he knows that if he can attack our peace, that we might hesitate or have just a little bit harder of a time moving forward in the direction that God is taking us. But we walk with the prince of peace who has overcome this world, and we can fight back because it is Jesus' peace that protects us and keeps us moving forward in trust and confidence in him. A guy by the name of Dutch Sheets once said, I will enter God's rest, but I might have to war to get there. You know, I think the same is true when it comes to experiencing the peace of God sometimes. Sometimes in order to experience his peace, we have to fight for it. And Paul tells us that there are two ways in Philippians 4 to fight for it. He says in verses 6 through 9, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So the two things that Paul tells us to do when Satan is trying to attack our peace is to pray and to refocus our thoughts. Instead of worrying, go to God with thanksgiving and prayer and present those requests to him because prayer deepens our trust in God. Praying and giving those things over to him allows him to have control, and in exchange, he gives us his peace. And then the second thing that Paul tells us to do is to think on the things of God. Our minds are powerful, and we can get wrapped up so easily in our thoughts, and before we know it, we are anxious and we are spinning out. And so Paul says, instead of doing that, refocus your thoughts. Think on the things of God. And trust me, this is not easy. I struggle with this every single day because it's a battle to refocus our thoughts when every single part of us wants to just keep focusing on what's right in front of us. But fight back. Fight back by filling your heart with the truths of God and reminding yourself of who he is. And And when you do that, when you pray and you think on the things of God, his peace becomes that guard and that protection. It transcends all understanding and keeps us moving forward with him. So the gospel of peace, it stabilizes us. It protects us, right? We're given that peace as we face the ups and downs of life. And finally, God's peace mobilizes us to share that peace with others. You know, often in war, soldiers are told to sleep with their shoes on. And the reason for this is because if you're in the middle of a battle, you need to be ready to jump into action at a moment's notice. 
And so sleeping with your shoes on allows you to be prepared the second your commander says to move. And as born-again believers, we are given the great honor and the responsibility of communicating the gospel message to the world around us. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. You know, when I read this passage, I get the image of this messenger just running as fast as he can from town to town, mountain to mountain, from person to person, trying to tell as many people as they can about Jesus Christ and about salvation and that, that God reigns. And Paul says in Ephesians 6.15 that our feet are to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, at Bible study the other week, I asked our students how they would lead a friend to Christ. And the youth leaders and I pretended to erase all of our knowledge about Jesus, all of our knowledge about the Bible, and we said that we knew absolutely nothing about Jesus. And I told them that they had five minutes to come up with a response as a group. And it was almost comical how quickly they started spinning out. They started spinning out and overcomplicating things and second-guessing what they wanted to say and how to say it. And a few of them said, well, we'll just bring them to church, and then you can tell them about Jesus. And I said, oh, no, no. Remember, I know nothing about him. But after some prompting, they finally started to talk about the gospel. It took a little while, but they did. You know, I don't think our students are the only ones that might hesitate just a bit if someone asked them about Jesus. You know, there are many of us that don't know how to tell other people about Christ. And, you know, we say that that we've been saved and we're born again, but we freeze up when that question comes up. And I think that's because we've taken our shoes off. And we need to put them back on. First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So we need to be ready to communicate the peace that we have received in and through Christ. All born-again believers have a testimony. Your, ta- your testimony doesn't have to be this Damascus Road experience. That's not my testimony either. But if you've known Jesus your whole life, share that with people. Share why you've trusted and loved him and followed him for so long. Share how he's helped you through the highs and the lows of life. We should all be able to share how Jesus has changed and worked in our lives. We can all pinpoint times where his peace has carried us through. And God wants to use that. He wants to use your testimony to impact the world around you. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I don't know what my testimony is. I don't know how to share Jesus with people. Go home and ask him to show you how to share your faith. Because sharing your faith is not optional. It's your duty. You know, there's someone in my life that is now when they were over at our house, when there was a window of opportunity for me to share that with them. And I didn't share it. I did not share Jesus with them because I thought I was too young. I was in eighth grade at the time, and I didn't think that they would listen to me. And so fast forward a few years, this person got sick, and they eventually ended up passing away. And I don't think that person ever gave their life to Jesus. And I wish that I would have said something when that window was there because I knew that it was an opportunity. I knew that I had been part of that conversation for a reason, but I got scared. And I know other people talk to this person about Jesus, but I still regret not sharing Jesus with them when I had the chance. And I I don't know if it would have changed anything, but I would give anything to go back in time for a redo for that moment. Y'all, this world is so broken, and people are searching for peace now more than ever. So if God's peace has stabilized your life, 
if he has carried you through the most challenging times in your life, share that with others. You are a messenger of peace, and sharing the peace of God and the hope that we have in him is our duty. Don't put that responsibility on someone else like I tried to, because God wants to use your testimony to bring others to him. So it's time for all of us to put our peace shoes on and to start walking in the peace of God and allow his peace to guide us and to share that peace with the world around us. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that you are preparing us to engage in this spiritual battle, Lord. Lord, we know that we have an enemy. We know that we have an enemy that wants to come and to steal our peace, Lord, and to get us shaken up and anxious. But God, you've given us your armor. You've given, you've given us the Prince of Peace, Lord, and we walk in relationship with him, Lord. And we know that in him, we have peace. And in him, we can overcome because you are the overcomer. So, Father God, I just ask that you would help us to lace up our peace shoes. Help us to put them on every single day. And as Carolyn said this morning in children's chat, to be reminded that God's got this. That no matter what, you are with us and you walk with us each and every day. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us and ask that you would be with us. We love you. We thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. If you all would please stand and sing hymn number 493, It Is Well With My Soul.
may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you his peace. You may go in peace.